Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot. But check it out. It's growing fast. And I just want to say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the Adept Initiative is the place to go. The Adept Initiative is the flagship course on Magic.me, and it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting-edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You are really going to dig it. Go check it out, and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. first samuel c go ahead all right awesome uh good to see you you too um so i have a one quick like practical question so for raja when you get to dorana but prior to that i've been using like a metronome ticker for my breath counting um is it still like a good idea to use that when you're trying to get that single point of focus because sometimes i feel like it's distracting just like hearing the noise maybe when I get better at it, it fades out. Yeah. So you're using the metronome for pranayama. Yeah. Just to count, count the breathing, like, you know, 10 in 20 out. Very good question, which shows me you're actually practicing, which is very good. So, um, here's how it goes. The, The Raja yoga should be built step by step. So that means practically speaking that you start with asana and that may take you a year to master. Obviously you, uh, you're measuring and you, there's kind of a different measuring device, at least as recommended by, by Crowley. You may come up with your own. I haven't seen others. Uh, well, the classic Hindu ones are mala beads and things like that. But um, um, there are recommended measuring devices at each. So with Asana, at least when you start to master it, the measuring device is a bowl of water on your head filled to the brim with surface tension. Okay, so you got to get Asana down first. You don't want to do everything all at once. It's too much. It's too much. Asana is 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 hard. It's pain in the ass, literally. So you got to get that. You got to get through that. Pranayama, you got to get through too. That's its own process. And when you're doing pranayama, you you are you have to have already mastered asana to do. I mean, you don't have to, but if you're doing it properly, you have to do asana and then pranayama. When you're doing pranayama, you do the counting. By the time you get to dharana, it the counting doesn't. you should have embedded the sequence deeply enough that you don't need to worry about the specifics of counting. The idea with the count, the idea with the counting is that um, it it forces you not to cheat, and and also it gives you a, sci- a quote unquote scientific basis where um, you when you put your results in your record, you know for sure you were doing a certain amount. It it takes out the margin for error. Right. Also, when you're doing, particularly when you get to Kumbhaka, where you're holding in breath for long periods of time, um, there's a very 
strong impulse to just speed up your counting, particularly when you're under stress to get out of it. So that that's that's what the um, the ticker corrects for, and it's a uh, a very good a very good addition uh, on Crowley's part, uh, I think. So for Durana, the counting device is so you, you you don't need it for Durana. You, you know, um, close enough is good enough with Durana with if you're doing pranayama, but you may not necessarily be doing pranayama during Durana. You may just do asana and Durana, which actually is the classical way to do it, in which case you don't need to, to worry too much about the pranayama. You can do it with pranayama as well, but honestly, I think um, one way you may want to investigate it also is particularly once you've spent like a year on pranayama and you've you've been through all the stages and the purification stages and all of that, um, it'll take you much less time to get into uh, gnosis or trance or whatever you want to call it. So what you may want to consider doing as one approach is asana 10 minutes of pranayama and then dharana in afterwards in, in asana. So, okay. Yeah. I've, I've messed around because when I started having like a bit of confusion about where to go, um, from here, I did try just to turn off the timer and just breathe deeply and, and just focus on the point more than, more than the breathing. Uh, and that was, you know, I got a different result obviously. Um, but yeah, was it, how, how was the result different? Um, I just found that I could like, you know, my, the senses were drawn way more finely to that point instead of, you know, with the ticker and then the breathing and, you know, I'm trying not to go too far with like the, uh, the stress from the breathing, but I'm trying not to be too easy just so I can, you know, increase my breathing. Um, so without that and like the intense, like focus on breathing, uh, Dharana was easier to try to, to try to lock in just without the ticker and everything else. Got it. Um, how long have you been, how long have you been practicing for? Um, since, so I actually, I did your, um, adept initiative around this time last year and I was like, you know, freshly sober and wild and didn't, didn't finish. Uh, so now I started this time around at the end of October and have been taking it a lot more seriously. So since about then. Great. So, so you're, you're new because, so wait, so October to how many, that's four months or so, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't like, I honestly, like, I wouldn't worry about it too much. You need probably like nine months at least at each stage, I would say, uh, depending on, um, depending on frankly, how athletic you are naturally. So if you, if you are an athlete, it's going to be easier for you because it's quite physically strenuous. But that said, I mean, like, look, I've talked to, uh, uh, like I have a friend who was in SEAL Team Seven, and he couldn't take uh, he couldn't take uh, Asana. It was too much for him. And it, like the workouts that those guys do, or I've read them, they're they're insane. So, um, you know, so uh, it just takes time. It it's very doable. It just takes time and slow, persistent effort because you're 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 forcing your body to do something new that it doesn't naturally want to do. Ironically, sitting still is not natural for your body, right? So uh, it actually is. Your body just, just doesn't want to do it. So uh, just take your time at each stage and don't try to, don't try to rush into combining things. To spend your time on each part to get it right before going on to the next bit. That will, because each one, I mean, look, like in a sense, 
each one contains the other, right? Asana contains essentially pranayama because you have to modulate your breathing. You're not doing alternate nostril breathing, but you have to modulate your breathing in order to get through it. Uh, it also contains dharana because you have to focus on holding the posture uh, and not drifting, particularly in Gaudasana where your knees will drift apart. It contains dhyana because it, it's single-pointed focus on one goal, right? Pranayama contains asana, obviously it contains pranayama. It also contains dharana because you're single and dhyana because you're single-handedly, single-pointedly focusing on the task. And the same with, with dharana. So um, each practice contains the others, but they're honed at higher degrees at each stage. Um, so very similar to magic. So, um, just take your, t take your time with it. It's not a race and slow and steady, slow and steady efforts are much, you don't want, this is not something you want to rush with. Of all the things in magic, yoga is the one to take your time with. There are parts where you begin to understand your own capacity where you do want to push yourself, but even then the key, name of the game is slow, slow, persistent efforts, right? Because let's just, let me just ask you this. I mean, like what's better, you know, 18 months of slow, persistent effort, little bits at a time, even 15 minutes a day um, of, of, you know, you know, when, by the way, with pranayama, when you're increasing your breathing, you might only increase it one second on each side at a time. You don't jump from each stage. You know, you can, you can go up a few seconds at a time. You can blend in between them. So what's better, 18 months of slow, persistent effort to get to your goal or six months or even three months where you're pushing yourself like crazy and then you, you kind of blow out and you don't want to do it anymore and then you don't pick it up again for seven years. So, yeah. So um, anyways, I hope that answers your question. I saw one from Adam, but I don't understand it. If you want to ask that on the line. All right, cool. So there is this teaching, it's called Jinkies. And essentially what it tries to do is it tries to bring people in a, in a state of pause while doing everyday things, right? So while doing the dishes, pausing. So like being mindful essentially, right? But, but his teaching, like the teaching of the Jinkies is something like to pause into the feeling which um, is kind of like a fear-based expression, you could say, right? So, so there are many types of fear, you could say, like fear of lack is a fear, but a fear of like success is another fear, and a fear of being judged, a fear of somebody hurting you, a fear of, and there, there are endless fears essentially, right? And, and they are each little bit categorized, and in a sense, the idea is when, when one pauses, one gets into, one observes his fear and essentially categorizes it into one of its powers, you could say, right? So it's like, it's like a reflection of what he could be, but like using this primal expression into like a bigger sense of what you want to do in life. What, I'm, what, what I want to say is that true will essentially, if you like... What I try to do is like try to pause and analyze my fears as a sense of this reflection where our shadow can become a gift. And this teaching then teaches that the, the answer to life would be to, to ask ourselves the question of how to serve the whole all the time. So how can we have this whole universe available at our fingertips and at the same time being in service 
of the whole, right? So like the whole of your nature, the whole of your fears, the whole of your relational problems, right? And so that wouldn't be serving everyone, but essentially what, how, like your, your most optimal expression, right? Well, something like that. Well, this is what we're all trying to figure out, right? Uh, information technology allows you to reach the whole world. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I mean, well, that, that's a beautiful question. I mean, it's like, and, and, uh, you know, there's just different paths through life. You can be totally self-oriented, um, or you can be oriented towards serving. And if you're oriented towards serving, um, I'm a little bull of both, but I mainly oriented towards serving, or I probably would have been creative director of some ad agency by now. Um, is uh right <laughs> you kind of were actually right oh not creative director but yeah copywriter so um but yeah so but here i am <laughs> and um i think that uh you know independent and free and being of service so i think that um I mean, we all have to figure that out for ourselves. I mean, in a question, essentially what you're asking is what is the true will for, for you? Yeah, but that's why I suppose I, I added it into the chat. I just wanted to be sneaky and like put this little <laughs> seed into people's minds because to me, asking uh, yourself, like it's the same thing. Like I see I, what you're doing, like, man. What I really love about your, your, your ADAPT initiative course is how you started. Like, who am I? And then like dr drill down until depression, essentially, right? So until there is nothingness. And like the previous person, he actually achieve this thing right this emptiness you could mm -hmm. say that's kind of how it, it's I the whole point of buddhism by the way it's not something going wrong it's people strive for this state this is the whole point of buddhism <laughs> buddhism all buddhism is is emptiness and interconnection read nagarjuna right. buddha buddha but buddha say fact, like there's nothing but emptiness and that's good because that means nothing's fixed we can it can be anything it's a blank page to write on but you could say that to write on that like to to write on the silence created by buddhism essentially arrives you into this hermetic sphere where you can then put action into the world, right? So it's like an entrance point. And my point kind of is that true will, that's another emptiness created by the Western society. And to ask ourselves, how can we be of service right. to the whole? Like, that would be like a, a, a step deeper into this black hole concept, true will. So, like, in my mind, right? Yeah. So again, I come back to Nagarjuna, right? It's like, what is what is you know, Nagarjuna is the great Mahayana, you know, commentator and expounder of Buddhist doctrine and developed the original Buddhist ideas into the Mahayana, which basically it's emptiness and compassion. So, what is emptiness is understanding that all phenomena are empty of inherent meaning. They have meaning in they have so everything has subjective appearance and meaning subjective meaning it only has meaning in relation to other things there's no yes. it's if you see the entire world of phenomenon is just a giant spider web but the the hint, the vedantic scholars said the po the points between the lines the points where they intersect those are true selves that's the atman that's who you really are there are core truths you can find your true self and the buddha said there's nothing because without the interconnection of the, 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 the web lines, without the interconnection of the net, that there's no nodes. 
Nodes are only developed by interconnection to other things. So there's no true self. And this is something that Western people aren't quite ready for. But, you know, that Ramana Maharshi uh, uh, exercise certainly points at. So there is no true self. If you take the Buddhist paradigm, we'll say, because I don't want to mess up anyone's anything. But um, uh, the, the self, the thing that you experience as a self is a network phenomenon of interconnection with the whole of the rest of existence. It's like a mad, it's like a, an illusion created by all these overlap, overlapping phenomena. So the point of Nagarjuna is you are the, you are the entire network. This whole thing is you. And so, because we, we're not individuals, we're, we're nodes in a network. So the Buddha says it's the, the Vedantic scholars, the Atman, the monists, right? Which Western philosophy is still largely monist, but has been, you know, recapitulating Buddhism since at least the enlightenment and is still trying to digest Buddhism, no matter how sophisticated we think we've gotten philosophically, the West is still just trying to digest Buddhism. That's my final read on it. And uh, you take it all the way up to object-oriented philosophy and all this stuff and all the newfangled, whatever. We're still trying to figure it out. The internet is a useful medium for us. So to under metaphor, to begin to understand it. Um, but it's not so complicated. People just don't want to accept it because they don't want to accept that they're not individuals because all that Western philosophy is about the great solar individual, the great man of history and all this. And to accept that it's not actually real um, is too much for most people, you know, so because it's, it's in a sense alien to the Western mindset, but it's true. So, um, and it might be a little healthier if we all didn't act like Donald Trump in our own way, you know? So I think that um, the point of Nagarjuna is first, primary perception of emptiness. Everything is empty of inherent meaning. When you get that, the whole ego complex just dissolves. It's like, well, the stress of maintaining, because the stress of maintaining a self is overwhelming. Every, if you're main holding onto yourself, everything seems like a threat to it, right? So um, emptiness, and then the next part is compassion. If you understand that everything is emptiness and it's the network, not the nodes, then you reorient yourself to serving the network instead of the node because you are the network. That's your larger self. As the Dalai Lama put it when I saw him, you know, it's like, I'm the most selfish person in the world. I only do selfish things because I realize the entire network of consciousness is me. So I try to serve it as my larger self. That's mm -hmm. it. And that's how you orient yourself. Now, how you do that, that depends on your individual, you know, individual. It depends on just, where you're at and what your aptitudes are and what life presents you with. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I like having these two points stated as is, but, um, or, and, I'm kind of trying to figure out what I'm, what I tried to say, like, like, Compassion and silence, right? So if, if silence gives us the, the impression that actually the ultimate reality is like a circle with no end, like emptiness or the thing that's inside a circle or like it's like a zero, like forever zero. Forever. Let me make a critical point here. I don't, I don't want to interrupt right? you, but I have to, I have to clarify this because this is the critical misunderstanding about Buddhism. So the standard, the standard Western take on, I won't say the standard, but people look at the Buddhist doctrine and they think that um, Buddhists are talking about the void zero or nothingness or the abyss or nothing's real. That's actually not what they're saying. They're saying, 
um, everything is empty of inherent meaning, meaning there's no, um, uh, there's no core meaning, platonic meaning behind things, right? Like, uh, uh, you, Walt's an example, th- th- but things have meaning. They just only, they have meaning that arises by interconnection with other things. So example, I'm talking yeah, to yeah. you. A story, right? Like over time and connections over time and the notes. So is there is like mm-hmm. a pulse going through a network and that's a story. So it's not nihilism. Right, essentially, which is the, the, the initial yeah. read that people make. It's like, oh, they're worshiping the void and nothingness and no God and all this is absolutely not. They're, they're, they're just, um, so this is a mistranslation. It's, it's, they're saying that things do not have, plato- things don't have essences. Things do not have platonic essences. And that, that's, that's the fundamental diversions from Western thought because Western thought is all, is all platonic. And it's all this idea of noumenon and this idea that we can get at the essence of things, which is it takes from Vedanta, you know, is developed Greek thought and Vedanta develop um, co co in a coterminant kind of way. So if that's the right word, and um, so yeah, anyway, so that's really it. It's understanding that things things don't have essence; they have meaning that arises through it, through an interaction with other things. You taken and put in a room by yourself are not you in this conversation. Yeah, but. Uh, but but saying that you don't exist, right? Um, like actually, because that's kind of the idea, right? Of of spiritual teachings, anyway, to reach a certain point where you, you can understand that you're kind of like God Himself speaking through the uh, <laughs> the cells of your manifestations among a billion stars, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like like just like that's the concept that you kind of have to pull down while doing actions, but then you're still in a body, right? So there is, it seems like getting to seeing the matrix, right? Or like ego dissolution doesn't really dissolve your ego. You go back, you buy like (laughs) ego less clothes. No, absolutely. Sometimes it makes it worse. Sometimes it makes it worse. I mean, look at me, Jesus. So, (laughs) um, uh, (laughs) so, uh, but, but the critical point is, and and you probably can't or don't want to dissolve your ego because then you can't function in the world. Uh, but what it does is it, is it disidentifies you from your ego. So you know that you're, what you want to understand and not just intellectually, but really deeply is that the ego is kind of like another organ that you have. It's like your nose or your pancreas or something like that. It's not you. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like the voice in your head is not you. It's but it is a function that something else uses, right? It's like an organ. So you have an ego yeah, is not the same as you are your ego. It's yeah, I I agree. But I would also add that 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 the, our physical body and how it is, you know, by chance or you know whatever by 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 any chance, like the function of our body and how we use our body in movement through time like in reality that's also constitutes our ego because like for example like ehie right i am if you like take those hebrew letters and you like just analyze them it seems as if they spell out that the hand did something and the force saw that it did it oh sorry like the other hand like yeah that, that's an yeah. FEA, right? That's so like a, this, a hand, that's like a, did something, and there is a notice of change. So that would yeah. be like I am. So that's like an ego. Oh so shit! I can do this. Yeah, I can do magic. You know, I can manifest and change my reality. I am. I can change. Meaning that, like your bodily functions will be an integrable part of whatever 
ego destruction you undergo, right? There's always this descent back into matter and reconfigurations with other relationships and people and cultures. So the demon will always prevail, you could say, while being in a physical body. Ego, I suppose that physical manifestation is about asking ourselves, how can we be this like, how can we fulfill as a human being the, the, the function of a cell in our body which like serves our whole body, right? Every cell essentially vibrates its own, that is our own small little reality. So it does its thing. How can we become like this human being, like a perfect being making mistakes, a perfect human being, right? Full of love in service of this bigger organism that we're essentially creating like on earth as humans, we still have this ego thing but there is this purification part of be being the we, but still the I. So I suppose I, I agree with many religions. I, I don't want to bring anything down but or criticize too much. But I suppose there is this dance always happening between hermeticism or like Western, which is like, I want to fuck this tower, their place with many streets, boom, bam, cars, <laughs> economy, <laughs> growth. And then yeah, we yeah. have Buddhism, which is like guys right like it's like like it's the atman right like guys what the fuck like well shit, we're all trying to know? figure that out right i mean it's like Man. the whole the whole point of 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 i mean this is yeah i mean we're all trying to figure that out and and that's a tension and it's a tension with like hardcore fucking dudes like you or i or <laughs> but it's all the way down to like you know like people who like you know want to drink starbucks but you know they like you know buy a magazine on mindfulness at whole foods or something like that it's like you know this is this is a stand this is a thing that because because we're not special the cultures as a whole uh, try to capitulate things so um but uh it is a tension i mean i think that uh the way that i i present both because you need both and it's a balancing act because if you give you know, Dion Fortune said, Dion Fortune had an interesting take on it where she said that um, magic is the yoga of the West. And, West, you know, it's, it would now be considered a reductivist and, and perhaps racist argument. Right. So, so take this for with salt for the time that she said it in. It's very Orientalist and all this. But she said, um, you know, Western people uh, should do, you know, the, the, the fundamental dharma of, of Western people is to manifest in the world. Uh, and build, so they should uh, do magic and hermeticism and and work in manifestation with the physical world. And the fundamental dharma of the people of the East is to uh, go within and achieve enlightenment within. So they so they should do yoga and Buddhism. And and she basically makes this kind of racial argument, where it's like, well, depending on where you're born, you should different paths are for you. It's an interesting take, but obviously is not true because we see everyone in in the East just wants Big Macs and, and, uh, you know, motorcycles and leather jackets. And it, here in the West, everyone's like, oh yeah, like I'm rich, but I'm just, just empty inside. So I'm going to do yoga. And yeah, I think, uh, we're all human. And, but the, the reality is the internet has allowed us all to learn from each other and that's what it should be at its height. But yeah, of course these things are tensions. I mean, it's, I, I, you know, the reason that I teach it the way that I teach it is because, um, you know, there is a, a truth to it. It's like people are, they need to deal with the world. And it, when I, when the times where I was just a purely, 
you know, Buddhist or Vedantic, you know, when I was a full-time Noth, right? Noth Sampradaya, when all I did was yoga and Tantra, that's it. And Tantra meaning non-dual awareness, not this nonsense. But I was in enlightened states of consciousness all day long, but I ended up in the same position of, but, but I didn't want anything else. And then I ended up in the same position largely of the sadhus in, in, in India where it's like, well, you know, yeah, I could do all that stuff, but why? There's no point. I just want to sit on this mat all day long. That's all I need. And that's very pure. But try doing that in the West. Uh, you can't because the culture is not set up, set up to support that. It's not even set up to support that in India anymore where it used to. It was understood that you had to, that the society had a certain allowance for people who were going to do that, who were going to be sadhus. But it's not like that now. So, um, uh, so anyways. My current uh, practice at this like I'm practicing, I think, for two years now, is this act of taking a five-minute burst meditation where you have this 25 minutes um, of productivity, right, which is like a Pomodoro technique, essentially, and then you take a break. But in that break, I go sit on my meditation mat and I just, like, train myself to quickly get into the zone and stay there for five minutes. Uh, betting on frequency over time, so essentially creating these toothpicks along the day of silence versus like in the morning, bam, two hours, and afterwards you're kind of like phasey, wazy, you cannot really work, you have so many ideas because you open the channel. So like these periodic bursts of five-minute pauses, like in a Pomodoro fashion, really help me to have this um, vipassana like experience of seeing this like just, just to give a practical example right when i code for example right like a billion letters to press like but i'm still kind of in a, in a functional programming language so there is like a set of decisions that i can make but there are still a lot of mistakes happening so instead i just visualize what i want and then like in this vipassanic experience because i do it often right so quickly often i get into this pausic state pausic <laughs> Um, I see myself just like navigating and gravitating towards a solution. Yeah, automatically, like new new wave. That's really important. I mean, that's that's essentially just what magic is in a way. I mean, or, or you know, let's put it in corporate language. It's like <laughs> it's like you know Stephen Covey, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Begin with the end in mind, because I know as well. It's like if you and we we all we probably both know people like this who just totally get lost in this. If you go into programming without a goal, you're going to end up you know like 17 months later learning Haskell or something like that because you followed so many meandering like wormholes through GitHub or like, oh, I need to know this, I need to know that. Yeah, and then you're not returning it to, um, there's this guy I love on YouTube called Tech Lead. You may have seen him. He's this hilarious guy. He's like, oh, ex-Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, like, basically, he's like, yeah, he's, he's like, I, I got fired from Facebook. I got fired from Google. My, life le my wife left me uh, and took my kid, and I got thrown in jail. But I'm better than you. I'm a millionaire, and I'm going to tell you how to yeah. live your life. The guy is hilarious. But uh, he talks. He has a video about how to become a senior software engineer, and he says that it's very funny. And he says that kind of the difference between a senior and a junior software engineer is the junior software engineers will get lost in technical details and the senior you know he says you know there's there's a lot of important things to um, being a senior software engineer like for instance um, never be around uh, if people see you at your desk coding uh, they will know what you're doing but if you're never there they don't know you might be in a meeting you might you might be here also if something goes wrong it is uh, or if something goes right 
it is your duty as a senior software engineer to make sure that you are there to take credit for it and uh, let everyone know that you did it. And if something goes wrong, it's also your duty to be there, to find blame, to find the person that did it and make it all their fault. And it's just like, it's hilarious. But like he says that uh, one of the things, and there was a difference between a senior and a junior software engineer is like the senior engineer, if junior engineer, which I think is true, is like if junior software engineers are getting lost in the, in the, in the details, he'll be like, They'll they'll say like no uh, you know we we need to bring it back to the big picture here guys you know it's like that's actually really important so anyways somebody yeah, says yeah. tech leads a scammer why because he's he's pushing a million millionaire coin or whatever I I think that's a troll maybe not I don't know. he's he's anyways I find him hilarious I think he's a he's a funny character but essentially what I'm like to, to get to my previous point, like I have this practice now where I, I pause every 25 minutes, like, like not every day hardcore, but essentially when I'm, I have these productivity streaks of eight hours, say, um, taking this break, it's kind of like doing, and, and like, for example, like I tried many different techniques of meditation, right? One would be just to silence my mind. The other would be f- breathing in, in full fold fashions. Like, yeah, like you teach, right? Being in asana in a certain position. And by the way, by, by doing five minutes breaks, you could actually do asanas without the meditation bench in certain poses to experience the pain, but knowing that it will end very quickly, right? And then like building, building your skeletal muscles. But like, just to get back, I just wanted to share that like breaking often seems to have a better trade-off than breaking big once in a week or every yeah. two days or whatever. So it's yeah. like having it's like... I agree with that. I think, I mean, you obviously need your sessions where you do it for an hour because you have to, but, but yeah, I agree with that. And that's true of a lot of things in life as well. You know, it's like consistency, small but consistent is, is better than like one time of, you know, where you push it all the way. Um, but you, certainly to, for, you know, with, with asana and I will say that, however, uh, that said with meditation and asana and things like that, you tend not to be, get, start to, you tend not to get into the result zone until 50 minutes in. So there's a lot of benefit to training consistency and things like that, but you're still going to have to push it for extended periods. And I think that, uh, that's, probably like the average what's to be expected like right uh when when you're like practicing but it's like i can honestly say that i can get in it pretty quickly in less than two minutes by intense focus on my on my spine but i said but i like i just wanted to share that like i'm pretty hardcore guy right like don't like compare yourself to me or anything but i really do this pretty pretty hardcore and i really can reach but like for example it's usually by the end of the day that i can do this in in a five minute fashion but uh, like during the day when i'm like being bombarded with many things like it's impossible right so i could completely agree with you it's like by the end of the day when everything is kind of calmed down and i practice the whole day getting there in five minutes it's like on the clock yeah almost. i get it i get it yeah that makes sense yeah. What was I going to say? Here's an idea to try. Do you know about anchors in NLP? Oh, yeah. Tick, tick, okay. tick. Yeah, yeah. Positive association, negative, and then combining them to associate the... Oh, no, that's something. That's uh, 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 putting coordinates in space. Anchors is just when you get into a really um, a, a state that you want to be in, and then you, ha- you associate it with like a gesture or a word. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, yes, so, so, so develop an anchor and, and anchor whenever you get into high states. 
fire the anchor, like anchor it. And then when you go back into meditation, fire the anchor so that you're right back in it even faster. Yeah. <laughs> Try that and see how that works. We got one more question. Okay. We just under the wire. Go ahead. Yeah. This is actually just about the last thing. Um, luckily, like basically everything that was on my mind has been, you, you spoke on all of that and everybody's experiences thus far, like I've related to all of it and heard basically what I need to know. Cause all, it's all just been about Asana for me as well. And, uh, I've been at this for like a year and a half, but, um, yeah, it's just, my body is really weird and <laughs> I'm still kind of figure I feel, so I'm like, I was kind of wondering if there were, um, other, if you had any specific techniques for just, uh, talking, uh, Oh God, I got caught between two questions. I'm like tripping. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, um, are you, are you yeah. literally tripping? No, not like <laughs> super literally. I'm always kind of tripping. Okay. That's like my condition, okay. <laughs> like in the, how it feels a lot of the time, uh, <laughs> because my body just feels really weird all the time. Uh, so it's like either physical therapy, like do it. If this, if this is really throbbing all the time and like this thing that I'm dealing with, this body that I've had, I haven't been here that long, you know, I'm it's, and everything's changing all the time for me. Um, and I'm also a little bit high. Uh, oh, you are tripping. But, um, okay. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a mess. Uh, but also it's fine. Um, do you think I need like physical therapy or do you have any specific things for, I don't know. I'm leaving. This is, this well, well, is insane. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. So, um, so if I can, if I can understand your question, so you're, you're working on, you're working on asana, but you have a physical pain or, or a physical condition that makes it difficult. Is that correct? Yeah. Like all, like all the time, just, um, walking around and everything. It's always like my body is just kind of yelling because it's like just things jutting around and I'm just noticing how everything feels very uncomfortable. Uh, and my, like one of my legs is longer than the other leg. And my eyes have like an astigmatism and like the whole kind of vibe just always feels a little off in this very particular, consistent, interesting uh, way. Like it's always just a single, there's a single wobble and like I get the gist of it, but I'm still figuring out how to hold my body properly. Okay. I don't know how. So other than the, other uh, than the astigmatism and one leg being longer than the other, do you actually, do you actually have other underlying physical conditions? Physically? No, uh, like, I mean, it's really just the fact it's a, it's a weirdness that I fear might become, uh, like real problems if I don't figure out how to hold this thing right. Okay. Well, then, uh, I, along the then, then I have very, very, very simple, uh, uh, suggestion, which is do asana. It will help you greatly. Like just, just right. keep at it. And if it's awkward and you know, if it's awkward and, uh, weird th that will correct the asana will, will correct that over time. Especially if I'm starting, like when when I'm still 21. Oh yeah, like, well at any age, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you, you already found the cure for what ails you. I think keep it keep it awesome. I would also recommend just regular like yoga class, hatha yoga. Very helpful. Very helpful. Like, you do them do them both in tandem. Okay, because it's just like sometimes I worry that if it's. I worry that it's naturally put together wrong, which I know is kind of like a state of mind because it just is what it is. And it's like, I, I need to not fear it. So what you're saying is like, whether or not I'm holding it in the most economic manner, like the, what a doctor would recommend if I just let it happen, how it's going to happen and keep that up sort of thing. And just sit with that. Cause that's kind of what I've been doing, but it hurts. So I'm like, Asana it hurts. or just in general. Asana. Oh yeah. I've it hurts. Over the past oh, it hurts. 
<laughs> yeah, it does. There's no way around it, but that's the point, right? You have to push through it. Um, the point of asana is you realize that just being it, one of the, not no spoiler alert, but one of the issues, one of the things that asana shows you is how painful being just being in a body is and how awkward and how uncomfortable we are in, in our own skin. Uh, asana forces you to deal with it until you let go. Um, so you're, you're in the right place. And you don't need to change the practice. Just keep at it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it, it's, I think part of why I'm still like wondering about this, because I've been, I've, I've sort of known this like for a while, like basically just keep practicing. It's just that I don't know what to, like, it's my form. My form is off. Like, I don't know which thing is right. <laughs> Because all of the positions that I try feel uncomfortable, but it's like yes. yeah, so just pick one. They're all it's that's the point. They're all they're all uncomfortable, right? Okay. So um, so stick with the positions as prescribed in Library E, and you know y you'll probably spend a little bit making micro adjustments for a few weeks, where it's like you kind of things like, for instance, what I mean by that is. You know, you're in Gaudasana, but you realize you're 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 hunched over, right? Well, that needs to be corrected. Your spine needs to be straight. There's little micro adjustments that need to be made, but those can be made slowly over time in the practice. And what I mean by that is, you don't need to be harsh on testing and judging yourself. You don't need to test yourself until you have it right. There's going to be a little bit of time where where you know, don't be hard on yourself if you're fidgeting and things like that. Is that like you're going to have to ease into it, and easing into it may take a month. But stick to the same posture. Don't pick, you know, if you're doing God and it's awkward and painful, don't, you know, spend a few days doing it and, and say, oh, this is the wrong one for me and switch to another one. You know, it's not, that doesn't work like that. Do one. Uh, God is the one to start with. So just do God asana and do it until it, until you master it. And it may take several months, right? But the, that process will, um, do so so much good for you and uh, teach you so much in so many ways that are can't even be communicated just do it and um and i'll add this there's this is another thing that people need to understand very clearly about magic and spirituality there's two directionalities in magic one is getting out of your body and the other one is getting into it everyone fixates on the getting out because they want to do this doctor strange shit Right. They're like, oh, like psychedelics, astral travel, whoa, spirits, astrology, whoa, dude. Because uh, they want um, they want to trip out and they want in, and to be utterly rude about it. Not to you. I, I mean, just in general, this this tendency and not to any specific person here or not here in general, but it's just a general tendency that, I, that people have and a tendency that I went through. Um, people won't admit it to themselves themselves, but they just want to be entertained. Right, so people can go through stages of magic where they just want to read all this stuff because it's entertaining, and then they can get to a stage where they're doing things like psychedelics or astral travel and just entertaining, right? But they're just watching TV on another level, and um, so there's two directions: there's getting out of your body, there's that directionality, then there's getting into your body, and that is the one that most people avoid, uh, and um, most people, most people in the quote-unquote occult world don't have any problem getting out of their body and tripping the light fantastic on woo all these crazy ideas and all that um but getting and being embodied getting into their body now that's a trick and that's so much 
Now, the average person is embodied, right? Because if you were totally embodied, you wouldn't be interested in any of this stuff, right? You'd just be like coaching Little League or something like that and, uh, or whatever. So um, the average normie, quote unquote, um, yes, the, you know, like they, they could use some help, uh, you know, seeing wider perspectives perhaps uh, if they wanted it. But um, for the average person who's interested in this stuff, they're already out there. They need their challenge is being embodied, and uh, um, that was very tricky for me. And but but it's so it's that's where you're at, and it is. Un, I will just say this: it is unbelievably rewarding when you go through it, because then you become much less movable by the world, where most people are thrown about like styrofoam on the waves, you know? So um, do asana and just stick with the practice as it says in the book and do not change position. Just stay with it. Thank you. You're welcome. It is fucking painful. That's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah, so there's, so there's no, you're not doing it wrong. And there's nothing out of the ordinary about how you're doing it. And it, it will work for you. Meditation bench. Oh yeah, I, I'm kind of sitting on a bench. I'm sitting on just like a. This is like the one chair that I have that I either okay. I'm either sitting on this and trying to be straight, or I'm cross-legged on the floor, which is like weird, but sometimes has led to interesting results. Yeah. So, uh, cross-legged on the floor is good for just starting meditation. It's not really. Uh, you can do an asana. In it. There's a classic asana called um, siddhasana, where your your legs are folded up inside your your um, your feet are folded up inside your legs, but that's w way too hard for nearly everyone. Um, most people are just not that flexible. So, um, like the the, sit, the classic meditation pose of sitting on the ground, legs folded. I mean, that's good for basic meditation, and it's kind of like the one everyone knows. But if you want to do asanas, you, 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 what you want to do is positions from Liber E by Crowley or the Hatha Yoga. Uh, Pradipika, right? But most of the ones in the, there's like 84 or something like that in the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, which is a book from the 14th century, um, codified by the Nath Yogis, which I am one. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're an odd lineage. Um, but uh, most of the positions are way too strenuous for the average, you know, computer addicted 20, 20, 2022 uh, person, you know, including myself. So the positions in Liber E, however, are not. They are most very accessible to most people. Um, stick with those. Uh, uh, for uh, the question with the bench is, can you sit in that with your knees completely straight? Um, like, well, can you sit in that and make your upper legs and your lower legs a perfect 90 degree right angle? My, my legs and feet are all like warped and weird. Okay. Like it doesn't, there's not really a straight angle. It's all just like a, a squiggle. So I don't but, know. Uh, but like okay. never really feels But straight. as long as your feet are not being pushed up by the floor and doing like this, like your knee isn't being lifted by the, because your chair, is your knee being lifted because your chair is too close to the ground? <laughs> is my knee being lifted? Um, I don't think so, but it's like my right foot, especially kind of curves in such a way that not both sides of it don't touch the ground at the same time. Okay, it's really that, that's not a problem. So, um, the the position, the main point is just that you're it's high enough for you. So um, I think that uh, I, I but I, I would say it, it will be easier for you to use a for that one to use a straight backed chair. 
uh, and not like an office chair, but like a, a wooden or folding metal chair that doesn't move and is not soft contoured and things like that. Um, a wooden chair is what you want. And uh, you use a straight back chair to keep your back straight uh, for long periods of time. That's it, it, Don't make it too hard on yourself. The other one is uh, there's a meditation bench that I sell on um, or I, is an affiliate on the magic.me site. If you go to it, that is the one if you do the, the dragon pose. But it sounds like you're doing the god pose. Uh, so I would use a straight back chair. Just make, make life a little easier on yourself. Okay, got it. Thank you're you. welcome. All right, stick with it. All right. Okay, everyone. Great questions. Uh, I guess that's it for today.